Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Curtis. Nice to speak to you. <laughs> nice to speak to you too. So, um, for, for those who don't know you or heard, might not have heard of you, you are a world-leading rabologist. Have I, have I pronounced that right? Yes, I would say so. <laughs> it's a rather so, peculiar word, but... Uh, how would you it, define... It, it, means, it means stick rather than measure, so... <laughs> so, so what do you do? So, for those... Obviously, I know what you do. Uh, and obviously those who have seen your collaborations with the magazine before will know what you do. But in, in brief, what, what does that mean? You What does that mean you are being a rabologist? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, I could never call myself a rabologist until I started collecting canes. <laughs> and, and still I got into the whole habit and started looking at the history. So, I mean, so in other words, you have to you have to become a bit of an expert to be a collector. So... I wouldn't say I'm obviously a, a total word, a world expert on it, but the point is you gain knowledge by collecting, by touching things and by speaking to people. So that's how you become, you should say, some sort of expert. In other words, you study that for 25 years and you, you've got some idea of what you're collecting. It helps. So that, that's, that's, that's what you do. You collect walking sticks and canes. Um, we'll talk about your book shortly. Um, but where, where did the fascination with walking sticks and canes begin? Where, where, where no. did it start? The thing is, look, I've, oh, it's one of these strange things. I've always been a collector. I came from a poor family, you could argue, and therefore I had few possessions. And somehow uh, possessions meant more to me than that if you were rich and didn't, didn't care too much. So they were my familiars, you could say. And uh, my wife made the mistake of uh, about 25 years ago of buying me a few canes uh, as a present and thinking, well, that's, you know, that's interesting. The trouble is they then got the bug. It's really an obsession. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a form of hoarding, but maybe more valuable than just hoarding. Uh, but it is really because you sort of, it's a must have. In other words, uh, you go around fairs or you start collecting and, you, and all your eyes see are walking canes. You're not looking for silver, you're not looking for anything else. And you start, you know, it, 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 it is a, like a form of illness. But so in time, I started building my collection. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any sort of base for it. But until I started talking to a few dealers who knew I was interested, they started guiding me, which helped. And uh, that's how I built, that's how I started to build my collection. So, so 25 years ago, you got your, your first one, let's say roughly 25 yeah. years ago. When, before you started meeting dealers and that sort of stuff to, to discuss what might be valuable or what areas you might be more interested in, how did you go about kind of adding to that collection? Was it what you saw? If you liked it, you'd pick it up? Well, as I started collecting, before I wrote the book, uh, but as I started collecting, I realised that there was a, a wide range of uh, types of walking canes that were available. And um, so you start off with certain ones and then you want to know more and you think what's missing from the collection. So you start adding missing gaps. In fact, it got even more, uh, well, not say difficult, when I started writing the book and realised I had some rather large gaps, so I, so I tried to fill those gaps with things that I didn't, I didn't have or people weren't collecting, which is why I added children's canes, for instance, which is very rare, nobody seems to bother with them, um, and obviously early canes because that were, they were historically they were three or four hundred years old, and of course I was fascinated by you know, who made them and uh, where they came from and the fashion, so you develop really a sort of feeling of where things fit you know which you can see the age of the cane and you can see roughly when you're building a collection you know what you want to do i mean some people just build the collection on a few very expensive canes some people just have ordinary canes 
But if you're building a collection of 30, 40 canes is a collection, or 10 canes is a collection. But I went mad and decided that I had lots of gaps. So, <laughs> so I was roaming around trying to fill those gaps and building 2,600 canes, which is probably not a large collection, but it, it's, it's quite difficult to store. <laughs> but that's another story. I am um, so so. Twenty five years ago, you you had one cane, and now you've got I two, I two canes. You had two, I two canes. canes. Yeah. Then we went to New York to see my son, and I went to a, a, a shop there that for cranes. It was called funny, and I bought some canes from him, and uh, it sort of you know snowballed. <laughs> it's quite simple. Do you get canes brought as gifts nowadays, or, or well, they both, they, well, the thing is, what what happened was that really, as people knew I was collecting canes, they would come to me and say. You would, you, you know, they knew what I was collecting. They, they, they sort of, um, uh, you know, it's like, a bit like runners. They offered you canes. You could, it's very difficult to refuse a cane when somebody brings it to you and say, you should have this. It's quite good value and it fits <laughs> in. So you, you buy it because you don't upset them, I guess. What would, you, um, what would you say kind of attracted you to keep doing that? Because we've all been brought gifts in the past and sometimes it's, you really like it uh, and the gift is the gift and you leave it at that. What do you think kind of, enticed you or um, led you to kind of continue the collection of, of canes? Well, I didn't realise how diverse uh, canes were. I mean, canes themselves really weren't called canes until the 15th, 16th century. So in other words, it's a new word, you could say. You know, so, so the thing is that until you realise what you, until you get a, a feel of what you're collecting, you don't realise, one, that it really only stopped, that canes, walking canes as such, called walking canes, were sort of, you know, comparatively new. Uh, and obviously there were so many different fashions. It was a fashion, a fashion complement, really, a status or fashion. So if you had a, 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 depending on who you were, but it showed you that you were rich because it was very a jewel cane or gold cane. Um, but, it, it, but it also, uh, it, it, was, it was a status because it could, because it could depict who you were. Uh, there was the tradesman's canes and different types of canes, which we'll talk about later maybe. So, in other words, it was a voice of discovery. You know, you turn over, it's like reading a book. You turn over a book and you meet another chapter. And you think, well, crumbs, I didn't realise that sort of, that they existed. And then yeah. you realise that some of these manufacturers or whoever, or jewellers made them, and you realise that they made a few canes and there were special uh, you know, commissions. And you think, well, that's interesting. I never knew he, he made canes, so I'll see if I can find more of them. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit... It's a bit of a voyage of discovery, and I'm still on that. Well, I'm pretty well on that voyage of discovery still, I guess. I suppose, with like you say, if you, the way you explain it as a book, there's always it, it's a never-ending thing, and, and and still today, people are making canes, and obviously yes. they are a bit of a, of a different format. Um, obviously, with, with the uh, old canes being quite ivory featuring, obviously nowadays that's changed substantially, as as we know. Um, and um, I think uh, we, we, we've spoken previous about um with the ivory side of things specifically uh, just to cover this is that you th th there is now a because it was before the time you can still now use it obviously because it was before all the the laws and the practices came in kind of across the world and the the ethical side of things kicked in um it was the world we were living in when they were using the ivory side of things so with, with well, that just looking for the listeners just explain a little bit how maybe the the ivory was phased out of of walking canes and sticks it's, it's it's not fully been phased out, but there's a tr they're trying to obviously save the elephants and other endangered species. Yeah. So they brought in what's called CITES. 
And that basically was to try and make sure that really you couldn't use ivory. Uh, uh, in, in other words, it was illegal to use ivory. Yeah. Still, in fact, although it's in, anything pre-1949, you're usually safe. Selling it becomes now difficult unless you can prove it's uh, old or unless you get a certificate. And that goes whether it's America, EU or UK. It's still a bit confusing, but fundamentally, uh, you can still own it, ivory, you can still buy it. But the point is that uh, you can't probably buy it at a, at a, you can still probably buy it at a fair, but you can't go to an auction because uh, they've, they've got to make sure there's a certificate with it. If it's a certificate, you can buy it and you can export it. Now, I'll just say what well, the certificate is. Certificate is a piece of paper with a picture of the cane, possibly. Description says it's over 100 years old, says it's an antique or whatever, gives you some provenance. And that means that that particular cane is safe from being broken up or, uh, you know, you, you, you can sell it. Yeah. And it's not too difficult to get those certificates, but it costs money. It varies which country it is to actually so, get yeah, certified. It, if, it, if it has that certificate now and, and you can sell it, um, would it increase the value of, of the cane? No, I don't think so, necessarily. The thing that increases value is provenance, who owned it, maybe, um, and the rarity, um, and really what it's made of, you could say. It could be uh, something that's really quite valuable. Yeah. Uh, into, I mean, the rarity comes with people like Fabergé, because he didn't make many canes, and there's a lot of fakes. But the point is, Fabergé is a name, so is Tiffany, that people will obviously buy their canes because this historic view to them uh, they're, they're beautifully enameled maybe the the Fabergé canes made in you know before the uh, French Revolution or and finished you could say with the French Revolution in St Petersburg and um so you know it's so they both have more value than an ordinary walking cane of a few hundred pounds or hundred pounds you might pay forty thousand pounds for or dollars for for a Fabergé cane, you know, unless it's provenance, you're wasting your money, of course. But but that's yeah. that's the difference in price. So, it, so it's kind of it could, it could be down could be ivory, but yeah. who made it? Uh, and it's exquisite, you know, uh, how how well it's made could make a difference to what you pay for it. I want to move on to the different types of walking sticks and canes there are now. If I asked you the question how many different types of walking sticks and canes, I'd imagine you could sit there for a couple of hours and, and list them. In terms of types of canes, fundamentally you could say there's three or eight, depending on how you want to break them down. But you've got the country cane, uh, you've got the, the so you could say the dress cane, uh, and you've got, you've got gadgets, you could argue, or um, multi-purpose canes. But they break down because obviously, uh, depending on the era, um, yeah. there, might be, there might be other uses. So in other words, uh, but it's very simple. The country cane, very much used in uh, in the in the country, maybe carved by a, a carver, maybe as a bird on as a symbol, or it's just simply a, a, a pop. It's a piece of wood that's been made into a cane to support somebody to walk across fields and things. Uh, or you or you could have a, a dress cane, a, a cane that was made for the court, which is, you know which is very elaborate. So it'd be a court cane. That those they became day canes, you could say, because people wanted to show that they were rich because <laughs> the ordinary public couldn't afford anything special yeah. until the industrial revolution maybe but generally speaking they most they, most canes were simple they were just simply bent wood but obviously if you um if you were richer more middle class you'd have something which uh, uh, would show it show off your your wealth or your intellect you could say it was a talking point and also what happened 
as they were cutting across eras, is people started walking. We, we had an era where, generally speaking, uh, promenading and meeting people with the shop, with the, going back to the 18th century, with the uh, warehouses and the shops and the parks, people started walking and conversing with people. And of course, the cane was a sort of, you know, you, you, it was, again, you, you didn't use it set to, you, you wore a cane and you, 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 you so it's, you know, it was a, it's apparel. Um, and you walk with a stick, it's slightly different, but people did that. That was a, a whole era where promenading on the streets and meeting people and saying hello, you could say, <laughs> in Regency times, gave rise to, to different, to different uh, habits, or shall we say, um, uh, different types of canes. Uh, and so it was, uh, so, so in terms of trying to explain how many canes, you know, it could get confusing, but quite simply, uh, you would have a, obviously a, a country cane, uh, a, a, a day or a dress cane of some sort it could be, uh, and you might have an evening cane depending on the era you're in. So, you, if you, so in other words, you'd have something with a. If you're going back into time, uh, going back to to uh, uh, Deco or something like that, it might be a a white piece of ivory on a black cane as an evening cane, or a dance cane for Fred Astaire or something. So very similar. So, so I don't want to confuse, but I probably am confusing people about how many canes, <laughs> types of canes there are. By the book is probably the answer. <laughs> yeah, um, do you know what? We're going to get onto the book in a moment. I'm just no, 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 before I'm, we move I'm on not to pushing that, that bit. I'm, it's uh, only to know: Do you know kind of when? Can we pinpoint a date to when like the first cane was used? And I'm not asking for a specific day. I like: Is there a specific yeah. year or era where where the first cane was what kind of dated back to? You've got to remember that um, the original cane was either a digging stick or a sharp stick. And it goes back to Neanderthal, to uh, Homo sapien, even, even gorillas, monkeys, you know, use, use tools, some, yeah. so some birds. And I think basically it started off as an as a, as a, uh, as a, uh, agricultural implement and also a method of defence because basically once you settled, once people settled in settlements and farms, people wanted to steal their land. So they, what they had at hand was really a, a, a utensil, a, an agricultural utensil they could use to defend themselves. And you can see that if you're a bit in, a bit in, you know, a bit ill or ill or old, should we say, you could take a branch and you could, it helps to support you. But if you look at the Maasai warriors, people like that, who are running all the time, they use a long, a long cane, a, a rod basically, and that was partially to, to to support them, and also to fend off animals, and also to help them kill an animal which they were out, which they were trying to hunt. So you could argue that canes, in that way, or walking sticks of some sort, go back to to timely memorial uh, when we when we when we when we started having savannas and we and we started walking upright and became Homo sapiens. Um, but but obviously through history, uh, and you look at something like uh, Egypt. Egypt and Tutankhamun, he had something like 120 or 30 canes in his collection. Some were staffs of Horace, but some because he, I think, he had a cleft foot or something, supported him. So it's not a new thing, uh, but calling it a walking stick really starts in the 15th, 16th century with the courts and fashion and haute couture. So that's really, but, but obviously they existed because you had pilgrims who were going on pilgrimage, even, even uh, to Jerusalem in the, say, fourth century, well, obviously had something to support them, to hold on to, and to also defend themselves. They were walking long distances, it could be tiring. So yeah. call it a staff, call it, a, you know, whatever you want to call it. 
so for the fashion side of things, we're looking the the 16th, 17th kind of century. Yes, yes. Where, where then, it, then it becomes something that actually uh, you'd have maybe a different, there'd be a different cane with a different uh, outfit, uh, and some of the rulers might have three hundred canes, walking canes. Was there any, or is there any kind of um, information as to as to why that became a fashion? What why that became? Obviously, I know fashion changes through through the decades. Well, in in the French courts, uh, Sun King, they they started what they did. They they to some degree, although there was fashion uh, in in uh, in fashion in Spain, so they started become they invented haute couture, and I think also the king wanted to keep his courtiers um, uh, poor in a way. So they, they invented this fashion. I mean, the women had these uh, high wigs and, and and tall, or should we say, uh, pointed uh, high heel shoes it was very difficult to support themselves so they, they had a long cane or stick to to make sure they didn't fall over because they're a bit imbalanced but at the same time people stopped using swords swords were basically aristocracy could use swords the common man couldn't and eventually swords came out of fashion uh, and people then and the cane took over the walking cane took over from the sword I know you can get some defensive canes but you could still defend yourself with a walking stick or whatever you want to call it walking cane um, but that became a fashion item, and uh, the king always wore, 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 wore a, 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 a cane, and so his courtiers wore warring, were you know took on took over the fashion, and in that period, of course, the haute couture became very important. Uh, lace, different types of clothes came in, and you know it, it was high fashion. Uh, people dressed up for the court to show how rich they were. Maybe they had silks or whatever they got it from. From the silk trade and uh, it was really the start of fashion as we know it and, and the French still have haute couture uh, and there's still probably a major force of haute couture even though London has a, a good fashion industry. Look, that's not no. too long an explanation. Yeah no 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 that, I mean that, that kind of covered exactly, exactly on the way I asked. Um, what, so what, who would wear what type of cane? So we've gone through the, the different types um so so say someone just uh, uh, these days if we bring if, if we can try and imagine that today is the height of of the cane fashion statement time um someone maybe a, a city banker someone like that what kind of cane would, would they use well if you if you go back to probably uh, up to the up to the first world war but it was there was an etiquette nobody was you were undressed if you didn't sport a cane Okay. The man or woman, you, that was a central part of your dress. You know, you might have a hat, you might have gloves, uh, spats, or whatever type of shoes you had, uh, whatever waistcoat, whatever you have your dress. So a morning, there was a morning cane, which probably very much countryfied. So depending on what time of day it was, they might have a different cane. So in the morning, it'd be, it could be a country cane, depending if he was just walking you down to the state. Uh, during the day, it would be a court cane or a city cane, which is smart and uh, very much, you know, very much to show that he could be a banker, he could be uh, an insurance broker, whatever he was in the city. Um, and he might have his name on it. And then, of course, in the evening, he would have an evening cane. So, um, which would be good because he's going out and he wants to look smart. So in some respects, it's not just your status that would do it. It was also what you, you know, your fas the fashion that went with the, Various, in other words, you know, if, if you're a black tie, everybody looks very smart, yeah. very different. It's a form of dress, isn't it? 
going to a ball. Uh, the women would wear different clothes than the men would. It was quite different from, a, say, a morning attire when you're going in the city. I'm, you, wouldn't, you might be wearing a bowler hat. Well, you probably would be wearing a top hat in that, depending on the era. But you certainly would be dressed in a sort of city suit. And you would, I don't think you'd be wearing black tie, but you could have uh, tails. It's quite true because that, that was part of the fashion. So I think that, you just... That, that kind of era is probably the, the um, or that kind of area of wearing a cane, as you would say, um, is probably way we'd wear it today more so than ever. Well, what can I just explain? What happened to canes was two things, really. Uh, there were several periods when canes kept came out of fashion, but with the, with the motor, coming of the motor car, if you think London 1900 was all horse-drawn traffic, terrible mess, a bit like today with cars, they want to get rid of them. And within, within 15 years, 1915, you could argue, virtually the motor car had made its mark and virtually everybody was traveling in some sort of mechanical vehicle. That gave rise to the fact that you couldn't really, you stopped walking, therefore you didn't need a cane as a fashion, it was, too, it was in the way. Yeah. So when you started driving, it may, you may have still had gloves and a, a briefcase or something, but the cane lost its, lost its place. And what took over from it was the was the umbrella, in many respects, because it's practical. It's still a, a, a you could say a gadget cane. It has two purposes: you can support yourself, and it keeps the rain off you. And you might then put it in the car because you know you leave the car and you got you want to protect yourself. And if you look at the royal family, which is quite interesting, in all the current uh, you know uh, palace events, every all the men are wearing a curled a rolled umbrella. I think it's terrible myself, but that's what they do. So they've got top hat, and this is today. This is not yesterday, or uh, this is current. If you look at the films, yeah, uh, the, uh, and they're wearing and they're wearing a rolled umbrella, which is fine because that's the fashion. Uh, and Prince Charles has had some very expensive umbrellas made. So, but he actually is very keen on on, on um, canes. He's a collector of canes, and uh, but he, but mostly they're the country canes. Uh, you know, because the, the, you see him, he's often in the country with a, a, a some sort of a shepherd's crook or something of similar shape. But there's different shapes of cane, different shapes of handles, without confusing the listeners even more than I'm probably doing. <laughs> <laughs> but still. I think one of the best ways for them to kind of understand uh, some of the stuff you're going through is by purchasing your book, which we're going to get onto now. Um, the a visual history of walking stick and canes. It is what it says on the tin. It's exactly that inside the book. Um, would that be a fair kind of description of a, a little introduction of the book? Yes, I think so. I mean, look, my book's not unique. Well, it's unique in the sense that something, nothing has been probably published since about 2009. Uh, 2009. Uh, but I think the book is actually much more uh, a manual than other books that have gone before it. Um, Christine Dyke, uh, Christine Dyke's the only one that probably has that sort of look about her books, where you've, if, where you've got, you know, watch canes and all sorts of different canes as she explains them. Uh, but there, the, the, the photography is not that good, but it's still a, an encyclopedic book. I didn't mind, want mine to become encyclopedic in that respect. I wanted, I didn't want the, my collection to take over, so I was limited to what I could show anyway. And I wanted really to, to give to the current readers some knowledge that I'd picked up uh, and uh, you know, things about, about the ferrules, things about the handles, things about collars. There was some types of wood. She doesn't cover those things. And I felt somewhere I needed to leave a legacy. And the book basically could be useful for anybody either dealing or, or 
collecting canes because it gives them an, an idea. It gives them a, 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 you know, a, a, a place to, to maybe look at, uh, you know, give it some provenance or see that it's a certain type or it comes from a certain era, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Again, a ramble, but, uh, but it, is, it is meant to be something you can read and get interested in. It's not just meant to be canes. I wanted to cover the history, how a fashion came about, you know, and the different eras of Deco, which is wonderful stuff, uh, Art Deco canes. Are just just amazing and people don't collect them um but they're, but they're fascinating and each each era has a different it's almost a style the art nouveau was just wonderful period a very uh, very uh, feminine uh, flowing very natural things uh, it didn't last very long but because it first of all killed it you could argue but um but the, but the, the uh, but the pieces of art the individual small pieces of art most of these canes not the so, so, it, so it's something that you could really drool over and think, who, yeah. who actually had the time to make this? You know, it is most majority of them handcrafted as well. So, like you say, it's uh, it's not to put it in a machine like that we'll get these days no, no. Um, with, with the ease that they had to handcraft each and every one. Well, obviously, uh, the big the big, the big Howell were one of the big big makers, and they sold millions of canes. But a lot of them were bent canes, and they did have special canes as well. Should we say dress canes and and uh, and uh, interesting collection collectible canes? But they, but people obviously, um, uh, you know, the industrial revolution made it much cheaper to make and obviously manufacture. So therefore, it didn't rely so purely on the skill. It could yeah. it, it could be, it could it could be in a factory. Although obviously, the top end would always be. A special jeweler or somebody you know would, would be a craftsman and it would be finished in a different way are there any standout pieces in your collection that you're you're truly i'm sure you're proud to own each and every one of them um but is there any is there any standout that you go i'm i'm so happy i managed to get that one well um the the pk canes which i think are wonderful they um they were made by the huguenots and they it was very much french fashion uh, and they came in from France because France was obviously a Catholic country and they were kicked out um, it, 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 of nuns. And they settled in Spitalfield and in, uh, in, so in Soho. And they, they brought in skills which didn't, we didn't have. They, they were watchmakers, jewelers, all sorts of things. And of course, they, were, they, were, they made a lot of the canes and they used PK work, which is like a piece of a silver tube to make patterns. That, and I think some of those are just magnificent. Some of the French, there's, there's Piquet, which is French and Italian in my collection. And they're just wonderful canes for arist aristocrats, basically, because nobody could normally afford these things. Yeah. And they stood the test of time because they're still in one piece. But the other things that I love really are the, deck, uh, are the nouveau canes, which, which again, because they're just flowing lines. It's just, I mean, forgetting about canes, some of the antiques you get, are just magnificent. The thought and the imagination that went into them. And one of the canes I've got is my mermaid cane. It's a, it's really a, a story cane in a way. And uh, it's got a mermaid and a girl on the beach uh, with waves. And I just think it's just, it's just magnificent. I mean, who thought of, you know, who, who thought of the, the form? Who, who managed to, you know, what, what artist made it? Because it had to be special. And it's ivory and it's just, it's a crook cane, but it's just beautiful. And then you've got things like, um, uh, I've also got a cane which celebrates um, the Norse, which is a durable, which went across from the Atlantic to the Pacific, uh, uh, from the North Pole. And it was um, 
piloted by uh, by um, the guy from the from the who beat uh, Scott to the uh, Antarctic. Uh, uh, I can't think of the name for a minute, but um, should know his name. Uh, but uh, it, it made history, and uh, it was 1926, and it, two two of these ships were made for the Norwegian government, and it was the first. And they didn't use a plane because obviously they were crossing the the, the North Pole. So if they had if they crashed, it was a bit difficult to stop. But um, but they successfully. That was the first time they successfully crossed between the over the North Pole between the Atlantic and Pacific. So it was quite interesting. I mean, there's other canes I've got which I. I mean, I've got a most wonderful gadget cane, which is a, a watch. Uh, it's um, an Esquitar. It's like a, a writing set. Uh, but you, I mean, there's a lot of canes that I still love, and look at them and with wonder. Some of the horses, uh, some of the carvings, are so flowing and natural. So, it, 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 I could I could wax lyrical about some of my collection, which I really would want to keep. The rest I maybe don't need. <laughs> I uh, I feel we could sit here all day. Uh, and talk about it and um i think i think the best way for our listeners to, to learn a little bit more about um about the walker ticks and the canes and even just introduce yourself into it is obviously by by getting the book and we'll put it all into the, the description of the of the podcast um but um we, we are towards the end now um and at the end of each podcast we like to give our listeners a little more insight about you uh, we know you are more than just canes um so we ask you three kind of dinner party questions um just to keep things light-hearted um so we're gonna we're gonna whiz through these nice and quick okay. we're gonna start first of all just don't embarrass me <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if you i know i know personally you've got a very large uh, book collection uh, but if you could only choose one book to read for the for, for, for the rest of time what book would you choose and you can't choose your own <laughs> no well, no, I wouldn't choose my own. I think, uh, no, I, I've written it. I don't think. I think I, I wouldn't say be bored. I do read it. Um, it's a very difficult. One. I mean, I, I find Pullman very interesting. Um, the Golden Compass is quite. I mean, it, again, amazing imagination. Yeah. Uh, I've got Wyndham, of course, which I like as well. The the uh, Crap and Wakes and uh, the the the, the, the Day of the Triffids. I mean, I just find uh, um, uh, you know, those you know that that era and that type of. Uh, you know, science fiction, very interesting. I have a collection of science fiction books. And, you know, and the thing I listen to is Journey into Space. They do make a book of them and it was on BBC and it's there's three parts to it. So I'm, I'm fascinated by, um, you know, by that era and that type of uh, book as well. So hence, yeah. Hell's Pullman, I guess. If you could dine with any two people from history, who would you choose to dine with? They, they could be history or, or even now. Well, I've dined with some very interesting people in history because I used to be a civil engineer. Okay. And I've, I dined with Ovi Arup, who built the Sydney, Sydney Opera House. I've dined with a guy called, with Dr. Husband, who was another big, uh, I mean, th these were different days, you could argue. Yeah. And... If I, but today, who would I like to have? Well, I've always, I've met Prince Charles and I had I was at a function with him. So um, I wouldn't say that. Um, it's a difficult one, really. Currently, um, it, it, I don't know who I'd want to die with as new. I mean, look, all, all things, I mean, I've been a Mason. Uh, I mean, so I've, I've mixed with all sorts of people. Yeah. But somebody that, somebody, you've got me there. Who <laughs> currently would I like to die with either now or in history? I expect, I expect Einstein probably, if we want okay. to, because um, he changed our perception on on physics and science, didn't he? 
Yeah. I think um, one person in history that probably, because uh, we all seem to be going out into space and uh, space exploration, and maybe that's where we're going to live. And so um, the, the te- these Hubble telescopes, and these telescopes showing us different things, maybe that's fascinating. And maybe he'd be one person that would be wonderful to say, I'd actually sat with him and, and conversed. Doctor and Saint and hid Rick Sustenance. Yes, that's Omar Kayan. He has some quite last nice question. Um, I'd like to ask you is if you <laughs> could, had to listen to one him, music artist able to converse one with band guy, yeah. time, who would you choose? He's a poet. And, uh, anyway. It would be um, uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh, there's something timeless about him, especially about Hallelujah, which seems to have become an anthem more than anything else. Yeah. He had a very strange life, a very you know, colourful life in a way, but uh, and sad life. But it's just his songs. A poets and a poetry and it's just uh, they're wonderful to listen to there's something maybe it's out of time but who knows yeah uh, yeah certain um yeah there's an elegance maybe it shows my age <laughs> <laughs> um thank you so much before you go though i want to do ask you uh, is there anything else kind of you're working on that you can tell us if you can't well, that's absolutely fine but uh, I'm, still, I'm still working on a, my next book which is really about antique antique writing instruments Although I've scripted it, I've still got to do all the photography yet. And I, <laughs> I'm going to try and use my, my iPhone rather than take a, get a photographer. Because my book, I use a professional photographer, which I really needed. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I want to, it's an expensive trip. Or yeah. she said, I'll be writing a book of this type. And it, obviously it's very special. And not many, not many, you won't sell thousands and thousands of books. You know, it's not a, it's not a Clancy type thing where you sell millions of books. But um you have to keep the brain working and that's something I must try and I'm working on but uh, thank you for your time and I appreciate your uh, inviting me to this podcast and uh, hopefully it's of interest to the listeners and might spur them on to uh, collect walking canes and even join the Antique Cane Society who knows I am um, just just on that note the other day I was in a antique store and there were some canes there and instantly you came to mind and um, yeah, it, it's just it's something I never thought I, I would have looked at before twice. But uh, but yeah, when when you speak to someone like yourself, it kind of opens up a, a whole new kind of um, vision of things, uh, which is uh, which is fantastic. But thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to speak to you today. Thank you as well.